just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're headed into yet another week that promises to be fucking crazy. There's all kinds of shit happening out there. Everything from a potential war to uh, indictments to investigations to all kinds of crazy things. It doesn't seem to let up these days, and that's fine. We can talk about it here on the Rational Boomer Podcast, as we always do, and we've got some stuff to get to. I've got some emails to get to, too. First, I wanted to tell you I didn't do a Rational Boomer Podcast yesterday. I tried to take at least one day a week off the Rational Boomer Podcast. Um, I mean, I can only talk so much, and you can only listen to so much, so I give us both a break. But my wife and I went out of town. We went up to Duluth in Minnesota. If you've never been to Duluth, you need to go by there. It's a beautiful place. Little fucking cold in the winter. I got to tell you that it's a little cold. You go down by the lake, you aren't going to stand there very long. But the town itself is beautiful, very fun, a lot of nice people. And we went up to meet uh, some friends of my wife's. Uh friends that she taught school with and such and uh we went up there just for the day. Um, we had some things to do the next day, so we didn't stay overnight, but we had a good time. We had a good dinner, uh, in a great barbecue place in Duluth that we just found out about. And, uh, this friend of my wife's that, uh, has a house up there brought us to this place. We had to wait an hour and a half, which I never fucking do, but she said, it's going to be worth it. So we went across the street to the Legion or whatever and just sat there and waited and I got to tell you, as much as I would never, ever wait that long for a restaurant, it was fucking worth it. It was a great place. And I want to thank her for suggesting it and her hospitality. Uh, but the interesting thing was, and this kind of surprised me, uh, we were sitting in the Legion just getting ready to go over to the uh, restaurant. And she said, oh, by the way, good job on the podcast. And I look at her, what? Now, how the hell would you know anything about the rational boomer podcast i go do you listen to tiktok because no, no no i don't deal with tiktok i said okay how the hell would you just happen to fall on my podcast especially since you know me and i don't know she wasn't sure about that she listens to a lot of political podcasts and such so anyway she said she liked the podcast. That took me back a little bit. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the fact that she's taking the time to listen. Uh, so, Jess, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for the hospitality. And we'll be back. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, we'll be back. Anyway, we had some emails, as we often do, on the Rational Boomer podcast. And I wanted to read them because I think it's important that the people that listen to the podcast get to participate, as I've said so many times before. When I do the podcast, I am the smartest man in the room, but only because where I'm doing the podcast, I am the only man in the room. There are plenty of people out there in the audience that are just as smart or smarter, have better ideas, and uh, this whole concept of the Rational Boomer is to bring people of a like mind together. And since you're out there, go to your email. Leave a voicemail. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me the stories you want to tell that maybe you don't feel comfortable telling. Um, offer up insights that maybe I don't have. And we've got one here uh, in these emails. Now, the first one comes from a gentleman by the name of Bruce. We've heard from him before. He says, trying to understand how a guy like Joe Rogan, who spews nonsense and bullshit all day, gets a $100 million contract while the guy who deals in fact-based evidence gets no contract whatsoever. Doesn't make sense to me. Bruce, are you talking about me? <laughs> Wondering why I don't have a $100 million contract? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think um, Joe Rogan had a good thing going before he signed on with Spotify. The moment he signed on with Spotify, he essentially sold out. He didn't have the flexibility. He was under the microscope. And I don't think the show's as good as it was before when he had no pressures and no one to answer to. 
Now, that said, <laughs> someone came to me and was dumb enough to say, I'll give you $100 million if you're just exclusive on this thing. I'm grabbing that motherfucker quick as possible. I'm going to tell you that. But <laughs> I'm still not changing anything I'm doing. They can yell at me every goddamn day, but I'm still doing what I'm doing as I'm counting the $100 million. But, of course, that's not going to happen. I'm not a goofy conspiracy theorist. I'm not dealing with tabloid news, so I'm not going to be the hugely popular one, and that's all right with me. I'm just fine with bringing in people of a like mind, whether it's a large crowd or a small crowd. I don't care. We're not trying to uh, get rich here. We're not trying to get famous here. What we're trying to do is do some good in this country. And I just have this belief, if we get people of a like mind together, we get a stronger voice, and hopefully... Hopefully we can do something with it. So, Bruce, I appreciate that. Now, second, he said, I have Republican friends who often say that there is essentially no difference between the two parties, Democrats and Republicans. So I asked them to name some legislation passed within the last 100 years by the Republicans that was designed to help the average American. I look at Medicare and Medicaid, Social Security, ACA, federal unemployment, trying to pass the American Family Plan, were all passed by Democrats. Where is the legislation passed by Republicans? Which party is trying to increase the federal minimum wage? It's not the Republicans. Well, you're absolutely right. Now, what you have to understand is prior to Donald Trump, that was a common thing sent by a lot of people. Yeah, Democrats, Republicans, they're just the same. Now, in real terms, they're not just the same, but they both have the same agenda. Now, when Donald Trump came to light with the Republicans, immediately the Republicans were much worse than the Democrats and took a different tone. Um, obviously, the conspiracy theory, the lies, the criminality, the corruption, just those things. And so the Democrats automatically looked much better. And that's one of the reasons why I helped to fight with the Democrats. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not registered Democrat, Republican, or anything. And frankly, prior to Donald Trump, I get what they're saying about how they're the same. They never were the same. When it comes to dealing with the public, it would be more Democratic. Republicans are more handing money to the rich. So there's that difference. But here's what you need to understand. Prior to Donald Trump... Let's say Donald Trump doesn't happen. The Democrats didn't do much for us either. And I'll put it to you this way. You know how the, um, they were talking about the Build Back Better bill and how that was going to be transformational in this country and there wasn't anything like this done in 80 years? Well, in those 80 years, we've had Republicans in control and Democrats in control. And doesn't it seem ironic, these people that we elect and we pay a lot of money to represent us, represent our needs and desires, the, 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 the needs of the country. But regardless of who was in power in 80 years, none of them have done anything to that extent for we, the people, in spite of the fact we are the backbone of this country and we're the fuckers that put them there. So I get what you're saying. They are similar. I think the uh, the Democrats and the liberals are more likely to do something for the people. But but here's the interesting take I have on. I think it's an interesting take anyway. So we have Donald Trump go way wide right and just obviously corrupt, obviously criminal. Now, the Democrats never pulled together one of these big Build Back Better bills before, so why now? Well, in my mind, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. They aren't going to give away all this money from the rich people unless they have to. And now they're fighting against this far, crazy, right, conservative bullshit, give money to the rich. So they got to counteract that with Build Back Better, the COVID relief bill, the infrastructure bill. Um, all the other things that they want to do. Now, had Donald Trump not come along and had this crazed transition not happened with the Republicans, the Democrats may not have felt compelled or need to do all of this. I mean, all of this that they're trying to do isn't easy. And as much as they might be wanting to do the right thing, uh, you got to think there might be some strategy here. 
This is the one way to combat Donald Trump. He's way right. He's really out there. So now the Democrats have to respond in kind, something just as controversial, something just as big for the Democrats to get them to react. What's really going to be interesting to see is come 2022 November, and we get the midterms, if the Democrats expand uh, their, their majority in the House and the Senate, will they still go as hard after the Build Back Better bill? Will they go as hard on uh, health care or in student loans? Will they go just as hard? Because at that point, they don't have a lot to lose other than the presidency, at least for two years. Now, one of two things could happen. They, assuming they win in the midterms and they keep their majorities in the House and the Senate, and somehow we can uh, nullify uh, Manchin by getting more Rep- our Democratic senators, uh, they could take that lead. And, and uh, once there's no obstruction from the Republicans and Joe Manchin doesn't have anything to say about it, well, they could just pass any and everything they want for the next two fucking years. And that would be my hope as to what they do. The other thing they could do, though, is say, okay, now we're cool. We're cool. We'll just do things as we have to do them. We won't be in such a rush. All we have to worry about is 2024 and the presidential election, and uh, we'll just keep going as we are. I mean, there was a lot of urgency for the Democrats to get this done before 2022, and then it played out that with Manchin and some of the other bullshit that's going on, it's impossible to focus on everything. So things get set aside. Joe Manchin would have you believe that Build Back Better is done and gone. I don't think that's true. I think that will get passed eventually. But they may have to wait until after the midterms. And that's only assuming that they win the House and the Senate. So he also, uh, he said, where's the legislation passed by Republicans? Which party is trying to increase the federal minimum wage. It's not the Republicans. That's true. Okay, let me talk about the minimum wage. That's an interesting scenario. For years and years, people have been talking about we need to get a $15 an hour minimum wage. And that is the fucking bare minimum. If you're making $15 an hour, you're living in poverty still. You're better off than 8 bucks an hour, but 15 is not a lot. But all the Republicans will say, well, if we do that, these companies will go out of business. They can't handle it, which is absolute bullshit. And we're finding it out. We're seeing proof of it now. Now, the Republicans were always um, excited to tell you, well, let's let the free market handle it. Let's let the free market handle it. Then that'll decide what these people should be paid. Well, guess what? COVID hits. We have the Great Resignation. Now people are fighting to get good employees. And you know what happened? The fucking free market. Now not only do they have to pay them 15 bucks an hour, they got to beg them to work with them. They got to give them signing bonuses, more benefits, and pay them more than 15 bucks an hour. I don't know what the Republicans would be bitching about. They got exactly what they asked for. The free market to control the value of employees. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Employees or future employees or people just getting on their path for their careers, you're in control now. You have leverage. Use that leverage. I've talked to some people. You know, they have a job. They're making 15 bucks an hour, and they said, well, I don't like the job, so I'm going to move over to this job, and I'll make 15 bucks an hour. Don't fucking do that. If you aren't moving ahead, you're just going to be trapped in the long run. You have leverage now. We don't know how long that'll last, probably for a while. But you never want to move laterally. You certainly don't want to move backwards. And especially now in the time and the day and age we are in now, there's so many opportunities and people desperate for bodies to fill them. Get out there. Mix things up. Make yourself known. Stir it up a little bit. Who knows what will come your way. This is how life goes. You never know where you're going to end up. You may have plans when you're in college or when you're a young man or woman. But you know what? The likelihood is you're going to end someplace you never imagined you would end up. But in most cases, when I've met people like that or myself, 
The funny thing is, even though you never imagined being where you ended up, you're happy you did. It was the right spot at the right time, and it served you well for whatever life you were living. So get out there and mix it up. Use your leverage while you have it. Don't don't give it away. You know, a lot of people are conditioned to say, well, I don't deserve a job or I don't know if they'll hire me. Fuck that. Go talk to everybody. Stir it up. You start mixing things up, then things start to happen. That was a trick I used when I was in business. When things were kind of slow and not going on, I would go to LinkedIn I have a number of followers on LinkedIn for my business, and I would do a few videos. I would post some deals. I would post some commentary. I'd just be fucking everywhere. And you know what would happen? Some people would call me and say, hey, I like what you're saying. I'd really like to work with you. Let's talk. They maybe didn't even have anything in particular in mind, but they wanted to talk. So it's the same thing with jobs and business. You go out there, you meet people. You make yourself known, you raise your profile, be present, and you'll be surprised how many things crop up after that. All right, this next email is a long one, but it's a good one to have. This comes from Tyler. We heard from Tyler um, just a couple days ago. Now, if you remember, Tyler is a trucker, and he's in Canada, and he's probably the best insights to what's going on with these uh Freedom Convoy Truckers, and all that bullshit. So let's see what he has to say. Good evening, Mike. I will try to make this email a little more concise than the last one, but I feel there's some valuable information for the uh, listeners as we cap off the Trucker Convoy news. He says, I'm troubled by the false information coming from the left and the right media in the U.S., Tucker Carlson is ranting and raving about a dictatorship, and the NYT, New York Times, is putting out inflammatory articles about an event they aren't even at. I'm sure everyone has heard by now that our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, has invoked the Emergency Act. That gives the federal government some special temporary powers to clear out these remaining shit distributors in Ottawa. What it does do is it gives Trudeau ultimate authority, like a dictator. In fact, I even heard that he has the ability and maybe has already done that, freeze the assets of people that were part of this uh, protest. Very quickly, I'll break down what this looks like. Canada does not have a two-party system like America does. Typically, only two parties form government, but we have representatives from five or six different parties in Parliament our version of Congress. Right now, the liberals are in power in a minority government, which means they have to play nice and form a coalition with another party to get anything done. At any point, Parliament can shut down these emergency powers. So basically, if one party feels like he is uh, going too far outside the parameters of the act, they can shut it down immediately by a simple vote. Now, Trudeau has also set up a bipartisan oversight committee to supervise the actions his government tolls out. So the Emergency Act that has been invoked basically halts this convoy in its tracks. The organizers have been arrested as they refuse to leave the area. They have been charged with mischief and are released on bail. The government can pull the licenses and registrations of any trucks remaining in the area. They can order towing companies to remove vehicles blocking the streets. And if they refuse, their business licenses can be pulled. To sum it up, they ain't fucking around. I guess not. The convoy was never a legitimate protest from the start. I think I mentioned that before. What we saw is a group of people occupied downtown Ottawa, blocked the streets and roadways, shut down businesses and commerce, and terrorized local residents with noise and confrontation. Ottawa police were incompetent or sympathetic and did not get the job done, requiring the feds to step in and end the chaos. Now, in summary... A civil suit has been filed on behalf of the Ottawa wet residents in a particular zone in the city, and it is for more than $300 million and will land in the laps of the organizers and anyone else significant to the convoy. What happens with that will take years to play out, but thankfully the police are clearing up the remaining disturbances and other blockades around the country. 
So next time you hear Carlson say Canada is a communist or authoritarian government, don't believe it. 99% of the, this country is business as usual. The 1% or less is going through some stuff. Take care and thank you for giving a platform for the truth. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point, and that's a great perspective to get some from somebody who's there. We watch the news; we don't always get a great perspective at that point. You know, we're hearing all kinds of bullshit all the time from the left and the right, and we don't know what's true and we don't know what's accurate. Now, some of these people that were in the convoy will scream and cry that they're authoritarian or they're communist and they're infringing on their rights. We've talked about this before when we're talking about the vaccinations and the mandates. We all have rights. We all have the ability to do things. It's similar in Canada as it is here. But what people fail to understand is when your rights infringe on someone else's rights, well, that's where your rights stop. Now, what I heard about the convoy was that 85% of the truckers were vaccinated. It was a smaller group of 15% that was jamming everything up. So while they were doing that to protest whatever they were angry about, the mandates or what have you, while that's going on, they're costing individuals and businesses tons of money, creating chaos in businesses and such. So they were exercising their right to protest, and it sounds like they didn't even have the proper permits. But over and above that, the real damage they did was to individuals and companies just trying to get back on track after the pandemic. So these people in this convoy, I don't feel sorry for them. If they've been hauled off, taken to jail, they're going to go to court. Even if some of these folks have had their money frozen by the government, as harsh as that seems and dictatorial as it seems, um, at some point the federal government has to do something. If these people are infringing on everyone else's rights, you have to take some action, maybe legal or political or whatever. Um, I don't live in Canada, so I don't know all the facts of what's going on there or how it works or anything like that, but I will tell you this, something had to be done. They were holding the entire country hostage, and it was just endless. And in addition to that, they were causing problems and frightening people and screwing up people's livelihoods and their jobs and their ability to move around within their own city. Clearly, something had to be done. It was a tough decision, and it was a hard problem for Justin Trudeau. I think he did the best he could with what he had, and you can't fault the guy for it. Those people that think um, he's a dictator and taking away their rights, well, you need to understand, as I said before, your rights only go as far as to the point where you're infringing on somebody else's rights. Then your fucking rights stop. And even though you do have rights, you can be held accountable if those rights are destructive or inflammatory or problematic wherever you are. So you just need to know that. I mean, I think people are under the idea here in this country and maybe in Canada, I have my First Amendment right to say whatever I want. And even if it's wrong, even if it's inflammatory, I get to say it and suffer no consequences. Sorry, that's not how the bill reads. That's not how it works. You can say it. The government can't put you in jail for it. But there are consequences, whether it be cancel culture or fines or what have you. You don't get to do whatever you want to do just because the Constitution gives you that right. There are limitations. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. So you've been hearing the name John Durham, kind of a mysterious character. Some people are saying he doesn't exist. Some people are saying we haven't seen him in 15 years or whatever it is. I don't know anything about that. Um, I don't really care because who he is and what he is is really kind of moot at this point. So John Durham is a special investigator, and I think he was appointed by Donald Trump. And they were investigating, I don't know, spying or whatever was going on at one time. I think Trump intended for him to somehow prove that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats were spying on him in 2016. So 
When Durham released his report, Donald Trump, the Trump and the radical right media were utterly giddy. I mean, they were excited. See, we finally have proof. Now, nobody's read it as yet. It's just the bits and pieces that the media and Trump has gotten. See, this is proof that Hillary spied on Donald Trump. He, she, he, he was treated badly by the Democrats. Donald Trump was saying she should go to jail. At some point, he even said she should be executed for this. Now, in the bits and pieces I saw of this report, it didn't say anything like that. But that's also typical of the Republicans. Try to gaslight you and say it over and over again until people start to believe it. But there was one thing they didn't count on. It seems John Durham, the man who wrote the fucking presentation or report after hearing all this he stood up and he said look that report doesn't say anything like that at all and in fact the only thing uh, that was a problem happened during the Obama administration so whatever you're claiming about this Trump thing and the spying and Hillary and all that stuff it's all bullshit it didn't happen it just didn't fucking happen and guess what Donald Trump, the trump the right-wing media, they all shut up. <laughs> they puckered up like a spastic sphincter, you know? And, and they aren't talking about it anymore. That doesn't stop them from talking, of course. They find some other fucking crazy conspiracy theory and start ranting about that. You have to understand what the point of this report was and how they reacted to it. They knew there was nothing in it that was real. But they see all this stuff going on around Donald Trump, all this shit raining down on him. And Donald Trump's done it from the beginning. Every time there was a scandal, he creates some other bigger scandal or throws it back in somebody's face and tries to drown out the first and real scandal. I mean, that's a legitimate strategy. That's what narcissists do, generally speaking, and apparently that's what the Republicans do. You know, if you said to them that they are um, spying on somebody, they'll say, no, you're, no they're not. You're spying. You're <laughs> and they'll just keep ranting about this forever and ever. But this time around, uh, Donald Trump didn't have the luck to gaslight people because the guy who wrote it, said, yeah, Donnie, that's bullshit. Now, it's funny. You don't hear Fox News, the Trump the Fox, Donald Trump talking about this shit anymore. That's the way it goes. They aren't embarrassed. They don't retract what they said. They don't apologize. They just stop, get their composure, and find something else to start ranting on. I mean, that's who these people are. They're fucking liars. They're laughable. They're jokes. I mean, their efforts to go after the Democrats have been so silly that only a trump fuck could believe it. I mean, the stuff they say is outrageous. I mean, they're talking about Hillary Clinton spying on Donald Trump and how bad that was in 2016. Well, we know it didn't happen. But forgive me, have we forgotten that, Donald, you won in 2016? From the moment 2016 ended and uh, the election ended and you lost the popular vote, you were ranting about how it was fixed and how there were votes that weren't counted. You were bitching about 2016's election and you won that motherfucker. That's how twisted and weird and crazy and stupid Donald Trump is. But here's what we do know. We knew the Russians were meddling in 2016, and they were doing it to benefit Donald Trump. We know that for a fact. If Donald Trump's worried about the integrity of elections, why isn't he talking about that? We know it happened. We have facts. We have evidence that prove the Russians were involved and they were trying to help Donald Trump. To be perfectly honest with you, after all this time and those four years, now this last fifth year, and everything we've seen, the extent and the elaboration of the strategies and the things they've done to try to overturn the election, I bet there's a ton of things in 2016 that we don't even know about yet. 
Now you have to wonder, did he actually win in 2016, or was there uh, widespread cheating on their behalf? I don't know. But that was 2016. Nobody matters. It doesn't matter anybody anymore to anybody, so we got to fucking move on. But see what I mean about projecting? They cheated in 2016, and they're worried about Hillary Clinton spying on him in 2016. But again, all of these are just smoke screens because there's so much shit going around him. I guarantee you, next time you see another big thing come up about Donald Trump, and that'll probably be later today or tomorrow, he'll throw out some other bullshit fucking smoke screen because that's just the way it goes. It's always, yeah, but you're worse than me because. It gets frustrating, and it's not really working for Donald Trump at this point. It's not working. There's too much going on, and it's overwhelming, and he just can't juggle it anymore. So we are still in the middle of a standoff with Russia, Ukraine, and basically the rest of the world. They appear to be getting closer and closer every day to invading the Ukraine. Uh, They've amassed 200,000 plus troops surrounding Ukraine. They're saying that this represents 75% of Russians' conventional military. That seems kind of weird, doesn't it? You got this big old country, they got nukes, they got all this stuff, but 75% of their conventional army is surrounding Ukraine. Now, that's ominous for those folks in Ukraine and all of the people in the U.S. and other European countries watching this. It's very ominous. And while Russia is a very powerful country, it's going to say something. I mean, you're promoting the fact of how many troops out there. We know that at 75% of your conventional military, you get some crazy fucker. That leaves a lot of wide open spaces in Russia, doesn't it? Nobody's going to invade Russia. That's just not going to work. But some people might do some crazy shit. If everybody's down around Ukraine, go to the opposite side of the country, do something fucked up because no one's going to touch you. That's, uh, that makes Russia susceptible to things, and I don't know that anything will come out of it. But uh, if I'm running a country, I don't leave the back door open because God knows who's coming through it could be fucking anybody and if you know maybe if joe biden's smart enough and intense enough uh maybe maybe he might utilize that bit of information to our advantage now this has been going back and forth you have to know what's going on in russia russia started this and i don't think he, they ever thought it would get this big but they're kind of caught now they don't want to retreat and back off because they'll look bad I still don't think they want to go into the Ukraine because there's just far too much to lose if they do that. I mean, their country may be done, and the people in that country, the citizens, will be harmed. There will be banks with uh, with uh, funds in those banks frozen, so people who live there won't be able to access money just to survive. There's a lot to be lost if if, if Vladimir Putin does decide to invade. And I keep coming on here and I keep telling you I don't think they're going to do it. It just makes no sense. And uh, I just heard heard a little bit ago that they've said that uh, Joe Biden has agreed to meet with Putin like Thursday of this week, assuming they haven't already attacked. He's basically saying, if you attacked, there's no point in the meeting. We're fucking taking you down. We're going to throw in these sanctions, and we're going to cripple your economy. We're going to shut off a gas line, and this is going to be a problem for you. And it's going to be an ongoing problem for you if you continue to behave this way. So we'll see. When you listen to Joe Biden, it says he, it sounds like he's saying it's eminent. I saw uh, Secretary of State Blinken on TV, and he says that they're getting intelligence that these people have already gotten the order to invade Ukraine. Now, we don't know if that's true. What uh, 
Russia is doing, putting up all these false flags. Some people say, well, the war has already started, and that's not really true. There are some separatists, Russian separatists out there getting into skirmishes. There's fighting. There's some shelling and stuff. But it's kind of small at this point comparatively. But that often happens just before an invasion starts. So we could be on the verge of an invasion. And if they invade, I'm wrong. And I'll admit that I'm wrong. It just makes no sense. If they do invade, all that says is um, the people involved have no fucking common sense. Because Russia will suffer if they do what they say they're going to do. Now, interesting, President Zelensky of, of Ukraine made a point, made a statement that I, I agree with wholeheartedly, and I've talked about it here before. If the U.S. is saying, we know they're going to invade, we're hearing all the information that says they're going to invade, uh, 100% sure that they're going to invade, then Zelensky says, then what the fuck are you waiting for? If you know they're going to invade, drop those sanctions. Cripple them as quickly as you possibly can. Now, of course, Blinken will come on and say, well, we're trying to take it down to the last minute so we can uh, deal with the, the negotiations on this. We want, to, uh, we want to settle this with diplomacy. Yeah. You want to settle this with diplomacy with a fucking bully criminal killer, Vladimir Putin. You know, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Think about it. It sounds familiar. They want to give diplomacy the opportunity to happen up to the very last second. And they are going to throw the sanctions down. It's going to take for Russia to invade Ukraine, kill people, damage and destroy cities, and then we'll throw the sanctions on them. And it does sound familiar. Think about this. It sounds familiar with the Democrats dealing with the Republicans. We should do something with a filibuster. No, nope, we're going to try our hardest to get this a bipartisan vote. Here's the deal. Whether you're dealing with Republicans on a bipartisan vote and the filibuster, or you're dealing with uh, Vladimir Putin regarding diplomacy, you're fucking fooling yourself. These people aren't the kind of people that will be fair about anything. They aren't going to be fair about it. So why put your head in the sand and hope against hope that they'll do something that they're just not going to fucking do? We don't need a war in Ukraine. Now, I'm hearing other people say to me, well, this will be World War III. America will be involved. I'm going to tell you this. If there is fighting in Ukraine, if that fighting happens in Ukraine, we are not going to send troops over there and fight a conventional war. That's just not going to fucking happen. And so I think the possibility of a third war, world war is probably slim. I mean, anything could happen. Uh, we see crazy shit that we don't expect every day. But theoretically, this is going to be from the Russians against the Ukraine Ukrainians, uh, we're going to give them help with money. We've already given them a ton of money. We'll give them weapons. We'll support them in any way we can. And so will NATO and so will other European countries. So while Ukraine can never really beat Russia, they'll be able to hold their own and make it difficult for them. You remember, the Russians aren't all pow powerful like you'd expect. You know about the 20 years we spent in uh, Afghanistan and how that was a waste of fucking time? Don't forget, Russia was in Afghanistan for about 10 years, and they finally said, fuck it, we're leaving. It's a similar situation here. They might do something with Ukraine, but do they really want to get caught in a quagmire? And if they in invade and get caught in a quagmire and a lengthy thing with a lot of Russians dying... Then you throw in the fact of all these sanctions and your economy's fallen to shit. It won't take long until the citizens of that country say, you know, hey, Vladimir Putin's a piece of shit. We got to get him gone. I don't really understand the uh, ideology with what Vladimir Putin's doing, but clearly nobody else does either. Biden and the uh, 
Democrats think this is imminent. You go to the Republicans and you go to the right side media and they're supporting Putin for some fucking reason. I mean, the Republicans have always been the ones against the Russians, but somehow they want to buddy up with them at this point. So there's a U.S. senator, and oh, he's a piece of shit. You've seen him before. His name is Senator Tom Cotton. He's of Arkansas. He was blaming Biden for the Russian-Ukraine crisis. He said Putin didn't attack Ukraine when Trump was in office because (laughs) Trump was tough on Putin. (laughs) Yeah, he was real tough on Putin, boy. Kissing his ass, bringing spies into the Oval Office, having meetings with Putin, and not letting anybody document them. Long meetings in Helsinki, and nobody knew what was said. Here's the other thing you you fail to remember, Tom Cotton, is that we know the Russians meddled in the 2016 election. We know they also meddled in the 2020 elections. Also, we had hackers, Russian hackers, that shut down a major oil pipeline causing all kinds of problems, closed down utilities, big businesses, all kinds of shit. Yeah, that's how tough you were on uh, Vladimir Putin. They fucked with our infrastructure like nobody's business. And what's Donald Trump do in response? Yeah, fucking nothing. He did nothing. Tom Cotton, you need to sit down, shut up, because your time is short in the Senate. Nobody with half a fucking brain would vote for you again. All right, we're moving on. Um, So there is talk of Trump pitching, trying to sell the Saudis an opportunity to host a golf tournament at one of his properties. I didn't even know if can Saudis do Saudis play golf or do they have any benefit from hosting uh, a golf tournament and trying to make money that way? I'm guessing there may be some security issues when you bring in all these Saudis. People keep trying to tell us that the Saudis are our friends, but they don't always do things that are very friendly, especially when you go back to 9-11 and, and, and uh, uh, three-fourths of the pilots in 9-11 were fucking Saudis. They weren't Iraqis. They were Saudis. Now, the Saudis have been in bed with the Bushes. They've been in bed with... Uh, Donald Trump and other people, they've got a lot of money. And what I suspect what's going on here is Donald Trump is pretty much tapped out of his banks with his current current situation. He can't get loans. And I think he's probably pushed his connection with Russia to the limit. The Russians probably see this clown's going down, so we're not giving him any more money. They may insist on him paying the money back. And people say, how do the Russians give it to him? Let me explain how this works. The only bank that would give Donald Trump a loan was Deutsche Bank. Now, Deutsche Bank is quite a criminal entity. They're being investigated for money laundering, fraud of all type. And as I understand it, as it was explained to me, Now, Deutsche Bank, as a bank, would never borrow Donald Trump money because they're like every other bank. They know he doesn't pay his shit back. But what happened was Russia was more than happy to feed money to Donald Trump because they thought of him as a valuable asset. Now, when I say valuable asset, I'm not suggesting he was a secret spy. No, he was more of a useful idiot. Because all you had to do was pat him on the head, tell him he was a great guy, and he'd do whatever the fuck you wanted. That's his mentality. That's his personality. So I'm thinking the Russians are at a point now where they're tired of giving him money, and they're going to try to get their money back. So now Donald Trump is scrambling. So he he's trying to get Saudis to host a golf tournament at one of his properties. Frankly, uh, he's not as tight with the Saudis as the Bushes were, but I'm sure he thinks he can go in there and talk to them and get all kinds of money and funding so he can get through his lawsuits 
and he can make his payments on his debt and all this sort of stuff. But frankly, I don't think that's going to work. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work. But it'll be interesting to see if we have a Saudi golf tournament next year. Put it this way, I don't think Donald Trump's going to be available for any events next year. I think he's going to be tied up at the very least. Now, here's some big news. Donald Trump's Truth app. That's supposed to be released today. And why today? Well, today is President's Day. So, Donald Trump's releasing his Truth app. Now, this Truth app has lots of problems. It's already being investigated by the SEC. And the reason is the business structure of this company is fucking ridiculous. The claim is that there's more than a billion billion dollars in investments in it, which would give them a wonderful nest egg. But uh, how do they get that money? That's the question. Now, they have a company that uh, handles everything for this uh, Truth app. But, in fact, it's just a shell company. And it sounds like a a lot of money is coming out of China to this shell company and then out to pay for this app. Now, people who have seen this app, the beta testers, have said it's uh, got a lot of issues and it's laggy, which sounds like a perfect description of Donald Trump. He's got a lot of issues and he's a little laggy. So my guess is if the app comes out today, it's probably not going to do very well because I think the amount of people that would now still listen to Donald Trump is far less than it was maybe a year ago. Secondly, this greedy fuck has decided that anybody that uses this app is also going to have to pay a fee. And that fee is $4.99 a week or $20 a month. Now, the question is, if this was even close to Twitter, would you pay $20 a month just to be on Twitter? Or TikTok? Or Instagram? No, you fucking wouldn't. Now, these dumb base people that Donald Trump loves so much, the uneducated, they'll probably pony up some money for a while, but these guys don't have unlimited funds, and anybody with any intelligence isn't going to pay for it. So ultimately, like everything Donald Trump does, it'll be a fucking failure. Nobody will come to it. He'll tell us more people come to that app than any app in history, but the numbers will prove out that it's a failure. Everything Donald Trump does is a failure. And so I'm not expecting much out of that situation. All right, uh, the last last bit of information. There's some things coming to light, and people are starting to get some realizations out there in trump fuck world. We've got a lot of people running for office in the Republican Party, whether it be governor, representative, Senate, what have you. And many of these people are begging and waiting for Donald Trump endorsements. And, of course, he'll hand them out to anybody that will either tell him he's got nice hair or a good guy or gives him money or whatever the fuck he does. Um, That situation will be there. But, But we've got a lot of problems with these endorsements. Because, you see, if you look at the polls, we're finding out that, uh, yeah, Don's not helping that much. In fact, Donald Trump might be a detriment. And this is part of what's getting on Mitch McConnell's nerves. You see, all these people that are aligning with Donald Trump are similarly crazy as Donald Trump. You know, the racism, the critical race theory, the misogyny, the anti-abortion and all this stuff. So... Mitch McConnell sees Donald Trump as a detriment to the 2022 midterms because he feels like he's going to get these incumbents who shouldn't be bothered by their own party, but these incumbents are going to get primaried with Donald Trump's picks, and Donald Trump's picks are fucking ridiculous. They are themselves criminal, racist, misogynistic, anti-Semitic pieces of shit. So Mitch is trying to figure out how do you maintain or get a majority in the Senate if you've got all these crazies running for office. 
And as they're running for office, we've got all this information coming about coming out about the crazies on the Republican side doing fucked up shit. So Mitch McConnell realizes uh, if these crazy candidates are the ones that are running, they're probably going to lose, which I'm happy about, which is what they should do. But Mitch McConnell would like to tell them to shut up and just reelect the incumbents and keep everything normally so when it comes down to it, they can hold on to some power. But I'm still in a firm believer that they aren't going to hold on to power. In the uh, midterms, the Democrats will do well in the Senate and the House, and it's largely due to all this evidence coming out every day from the uh, DOJ to the House Select Committee to Georgia to New York to uh, the Attorney General of New York. A lot of bad shit has come out, and I got to tell you, if we were in the 60s or 70s, Donald Trump would have been done a long time ago. The Republicans would be done already. Because you didn't get away with stuff. I remember the big big news was I used to love watching Dean Martin. I thought he was cool. thought he was funny. Good singer. Watch his show every week. Uh, the Dean Martin show. But then it came out in the tabloids that he was getting a divorce. Now you have to understand that a divorce then as compared to now vastly different. It was big news. It was big news, and I was a little kid, and I go, I don't like Dean Martin. He's divorcing his wife. He's being a jerk. Now, I don't know all the <clears throat> reasons for the divorce. It was probably Dean's fault. I mean, he was the guy that was famous and rich and felt like he could do anything. Um, <clears throat> but the funny thing is, when you had a divorce back in those days, it was you're on the verge of cancel culture before cancel culture even existed. But now the things that are coming out about these people are so uh, flagrant, so blatant, and somehow they don't have as much effect. Apparently, we as a citizenry have uh, become desensitized to scandal. We're okay with scandal. So we can only hope against hope that uh, we'll get some indictments and we'll get some action that way. And as I've said before, all we need is one indictment for Donald Trump And uh, after that, once the first indictment comes down, then all these people that have been waiting, they'll be rushing to be the number two guy. It's a tough decision to indict a president, but somebody will have the guts to do it. And when they do, then the shit's going to fall apart. Trust me on this. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time you do with me. It's much appreciated. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, again, all you have to do is send me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail. Always love hearing from you. Well, you have a great rest of the day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike.